Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and welcome to the Backstage Show. Thank you for joining us tonight. Chestnut roasting on the Backstage Show. Glenn and Jim dishing out the slams. That's right. Our Christmas episode. It is ready to go, and it won't cost you any clowns. Everybody knows a turkey is a no-good show, and we will bring one into light. This is just our opinion. As you know, so don't let it trigger fight or flight. You know our banter's on its way, yes it is, to hopefully entertain you on this day. We hope every listener's gonna try. Subscribe and never say goodbye. No, no, never. And so we're offering this episode to a listener base we hope to grow. Although it's been said many times, it's still old. Welcome to the Backstage Show. So I'd like to apologize to everyone for what just happened. But, especially to me yes especially to you because <laughs> i had to listen to it twice you had to listen to it and you had to try and make it work but anyway we're here it's christmas eve well we're not here we're well we're not there where are we i'm in texas we're personally <laughs> uh I, i'm still in pennsylvania uh, okay well there you go yeah i'm not going far <laughs> It is indeed Christmas Eve, and we'd like to thank you for tuning in. If you're tuning in on Christmas Eve or on Christmas, perhaps you're sitting around the fire with a cup of hot cocoa. Or eggnog. Or, or eggnog. Or brandy or bourbon or whatever it is you need to, you know, put up with your family. Yes. A nice goose drumstick in your hand. <laughs> goose. Wow. <laughs> goose. Getting a little opulent, aren't we? I, hey, my father-in-law cooks Christmas goose. So, yeah. His goose was cooked. His goose was cooked. Or okay. my goose was cooked. Anyway, so what we're doing today... Uh, if you couldn't understand the lyrics or didn't get a sense of that before, is we're going to be roasting a chestnut for Christmas. Well, Glenn, what exactly is a chestnut? What is this mythical Jim, chestnut I'm, of which I'm you speak? I'm glad you asked. So it's a, it's a nut. It grows on a tree. No, no, not that type of chestnut. So it's basically, it's a show. It's a type of show that's done frequently, extremely frequently, that over and over again yeah yeah chestnut the the term chestnut kind of originated as slang for like an old joke 
Like, oh, that old chestnut. And that was in the uh, 19th century, late 19th century? The 1880s? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we did a little research. A little on research this. on this episode. We did discover that the the term may have originated in a play entitled "The Broken Sword," which was written by William Diamond in 1816. Is that Diamond Demond or Demond? Yes. Well, I'm that sounds sure. more French. Yes, but uh, so there's a character that that keeps repeating a story in that play. And it's about a cork tree, and there's another character that comes on and corrects him and it's saying "chestnut," you mean, and then that. Turner that that ended up becoming the chestnut idea. Okay, not a great. Uh, it seems background. kind of a stretch to me that that yeah somehow translated into what we're referring to as chestnuts today being plays mm-hmm. that have been well done to death. Yeah, and I don't think it's that. I think it's actually just a coincidence that the term originated in a play because it's really just the fact that it's a repeated story. Okay, and that's that was the original term, and then it just kind of eventually applies to what Merriam-Webster called something that is repeated to the point of staleness. A stale chestnut. A stale chestnut, yes. Yum. But nevertheless, no matter how stale they may be, they seem to be rather popular, especially in community theater. Oh my goodness, indeed. Um, I Just doing some research on past seasons from some theaters in the area. Mm-hmm. There are so many shows that keep popping up over and over again. And these are shows that have been around for decades. Yeah. And it seemed to me, I don't know if you came across this as well, but it felt like so many of the chestnuts were musicals. Yeah. There are an awful lot of, because they're crowd pleasers yeah. kinds of shows, I think, especially with musicals. It's like a feel good kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Annie, Sound of Music. The Music Man. Yeah. Um, any of those yeah. kinds of shows are just there are keep coming up there. And I guess it's it's probably also easier to get the rights for those. I since, don't. Well, I don't think there there are as many professional productions of them anymore. The, the revivals. There are, are not revivals occasionally. It happens. And that probably makes it a little bit harder when those happen. Mm-hmm. And that's you know when you can't get those, but well, geez, even Broadway's so them. reviving them, so they're they're dipping into the chestnuts too on a yeah. regular basis. Um, they are. And it's yeah, it's funny that all these shows, you know, within. A three to five year period, you'll see a lot of these shows. It seems to be like on done a, at multiple theaters. On a cycle, yeah. <laughs> it's not just. I mean, these are older shows. It kind of seems that way with even newer, hot, popular shows that come up. They're kind of handled the same way, and that all these yeah. different theaters are doing them. But that's a little bit different because they are newer shows, mm-hmm. and they recently have become available for the rights and. And have everybody yet wants been, to do them, and they're really popular. And right? they haven't yet been repeated to the point of staleness. <laughs> yeah, but they're quickly getting there. <laughs> yes. they're, the the uh, oven's getting preheated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's shows like Proof, I think, is, is one. That yeah. Is, I mean, and that's a great show. <laughs> it is a good show. I mean, yeah. it definitely is worth being done. Uh, it's probably, I think it's kind of a little bit past that point now, because probably about 10 years ago, I think everybody mm-hmm. was really jumping on the bandwagon doing that one. Now it's a little bit less common. Yeah, it still crops up occasionally, though. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Village Players is going to be doing it this coming season, but I think it's trailed off. It's not not quite to the level that it's being done like a chestnut. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like this balance because when these shows first come out, it's, it's hard. It almost feels like it's a chestnut, except that it's a new show. Just because it's being done so often, it's like, all right, it's yeah. enough already. I think, though, that may be a little bit more true this is just my opinion, but this may be a little bit more true for the acting community mm-hmm. because if they're keeping an eye on all the additions coming up, they see these shows right. being done at multiple places. Maybe the audience, if they're not actively involved at the theater, 
maybe for the audience it doesn't quite have the same effect as opposed to a show that they've known for many years and have possibly even seen before mm-hmm. or seen the movie adaptation or so i guess the reason you. that the chestnuts are coming up is 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 the familiarity to the audience yeah well i think we've alluded to this in previous discussions that uh, especially talking with steven renee that you know some theaters maybe are looking for a balance of mm-hmm. the chestnuts the the tried and true, the familiar to the audience, the ones that are going to be the more likely to be a strong draw for the theater versus the little gems that, you know, are more... More acting challenges. Yeah, or more audience challenging or yeah. what have you. So it, it's it's a balancing act. Yeah. But when it comes to the chestnuts, what does that mean for getting actors involved? That's a concern. It is. I think if, if the actors are seeing these long-lasting familiar shows keep coming up they think well i didn't want to do it before i don't really feel any differently now um i think or it might even be an i've already done this that's possibility i think if you've been around in community theater long enough or even if you did theater in school Mm -hmm. chances are you know high schools tend to cover a lot of these chestnuts too especially the musicals so i mean when i was in high school we did how to succeed in business without really trying the Music Man, Fiddler on the Roof, mm. Oliver. Yeah. Those all pretty much qualify. Bye Bye Birdie. There's another one that's popping up. Yeah, that one I think Greece was probably done point. the year after I graduated yeah. high school. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, mm-hmm. Grease, West Side Story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there are a ton of them out there. And I mean, it's and it doesn't really seem to have anything to do with how challenging the shows may or may not be. I mean, like West Side Story, the music in that is, is pretty challenging. Oh, my goodness. Yes, absolutely. That, yeah. that is... But yet, I would consider that a chestnut because it gets because done it's a lot. well known. Yeah. Uh, it but has does a it sentimental get, value. Does it get done as much in community theater? I feel like it's it takes kind of a, a higher caliber of community theater. To I can be only able think of one occasion that I know of a community theater production of it in this mm-hmm. area, and that was about over a decade ago. I think I, Footlighters did yeah, it. Yeah, I know Footlighters did it. I actually spent about a week in the pit band. Oh, it. really? Yeah, until I realized, wow, I am so out of practice with my trumpet playing that there's no way i can pull this off i think i might have been there on a night where they may not have even had the whole pit it's possible it's possible i i do think that there were some people who couldn't make it there every night i yeah. did end up seeing the show they did a good job with it that, but yeah the but music yeah, was too challenging oh my goodness me. yes that was definitely not for beginners yeah so while i would kind of consider that a chestnut it doesn't get done a lot in community theater probably because of the skill that's needed yeah yeah or uh gypsy is another one i guess i think uh Barley Sheep did that last season. Barn did it uh, a couple years ago. Yeah. That was part of their 50th season okay. extravaganza. Uh-huh. So that wasn't even the first time they had done that. But but it's name recognition. I yeah, mean, uh, you have a uh, built-in audience, theoretically. And I think that's really what the appeal is, is that built-in audience. Well, I'd imagine probably there's got to be at least some people involved with the theater itself that, you know, have a... Um, a soft spot for the show and want to well, do it. I mean, a lot of these shows, they're not necessarily bad shows. They're enjoyable. And they're the kind of things that if they come up every five years, yeah, I might be willing to see it every five years. I mean, we all have our, our movie collection where there's these movies that we'll go back to and watch again and again. So why not? I don't know what you're musical? talking about. Glenn. Yes. You have no, no movies at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think anybody knows that. I, and, and if you've got movies, why not plays that you'd see over and over? Yeah. And again, with, you know, some of the built-in audience, maybe some some travel and some don't to different theaters. So Yeah, there'll be people who want to see them again and again. And there might even be actors who want to be involved and be in the shows again and again, play mm-hmm. different roles or play the same role again and again. I mean, a lot of them are kind of 
feel good. Yeah. I, I guess. So it, it's in many ways, they're usually like an escape, mm-hmm. kind of a feel good escape. And uh, that appeals to a lot of people. Yeah. And I mean, look at the time of year. There's certainly a lot of Christmas shows that I'd consider to be, uh, <laughs> chestnuts. In fact, uh, most of them probably. Best Christmas pageant ever. What's it? Barley Sheaf did that panto of, um, shoot, what was it? The Cinderella panto? Cinderella. Yeah, yeah they did that. that was a number of years ago. And I, I know People's Light does a uh, panto every year. There's you know, Miracle on 34th Street uh, keeps yeah. popping up. Uh, what's the, the, the Frank Capra one? Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life pops up a lot. There's only so many Christmas stories out there, I guess, that they, they have yeah, to Yeah, I mean, But I mean, people love seeing them. Yeah, and, and not all theaters are necessarily active around the holidays. Uh, some of them have a show right afterward, but um, yeah. those that do have holiday shows, yeah, they all tend to be kind of these nice, yeah. warm, fuzzy-feeling, feel-good kind of shows. Yeah. And chestnuts easily fall into that camp, And I think, I think it comes down to, like, at least for me, I'm not necessarily anti-chestnut. I think there's definitely space for it in anybody's season, and it's enjoyable if it happens to be one that's that's among those that you're willing to see over and over, it's nice to see them again. I, I think if you have the ability to have a balance of mm-hmm. shows where you can do those kinds of shows and then also more potentially challenging or interesting or less done, less frequently done kind of shows, then why not? Yeah. And I, I believe in my heart of hearts <laughs> that most theaters that are trying to come up with a season are looking for that balance between chestnuts and, and challenges. Right, yeah, and I'm sure, as we've alluded to, I think before that there's some probably some financial concerns with that as far as absolutely balancing the books, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, having a show that maybe possibly won't sell as many tickets against a show that's more of a surefire bet. Yeah, and you never know; you might get one of those shows. You know, like when we did Boeing, Boeing that sold really well, but I don't know that I'd consider Boeing, Boeing a chestnut. Per I wouldn't se. because it doesn't seem like it's quite as ubiquitous as no. some of the others. It's just it's hard to define you know, strictly what a chestnut is. I think there's a certain amount of personal opinion as far as that goes. Yeah, but I tend to look at it as shows that people who only maybe have a modest familiarity with theater in general are most likely to know about. about. Yeah, and those with a familiarity with theater are going to be like, oh, that one again? (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, yeah, that's that's the downside, I guess. You know, how, how, how long will these kinds of shows continue to be popular? Yeah, but I mean, I still feel like as time goes on, shows that are considered chestnuts change. So these older ones that are chestnuts now, a few years from now, will be like, wow, I haven't seen that in 10, 15 years. And then it'll be a revival time. Yeah, it'll be a revival time. But other shows, you know, like we were talking about Proof, within five to 10 years, people will be like, oh, that old chestnut. <laughs> I mean, that it's was kind of funny to think about it that way yeah. because it's only the show itself is 30 years. It's 80s, I think. Oh, it's that old. Is it? I don't think so. I don't know. I think it's newer than that. Keep talking. I'm going to look. I was going to say about maybe 20 years old. I thought it was uh, more recent or or less recent than that. Nah, I don't know. You can look that one up, but I'm going to guess about 20 years old. Okay. I I remember there was a movie of it, probably 2005-ish. Deshaun Dupree Holton, better known by his stage name Proof, was an American rapper and actor. (laughs) I think that's the wrong proof. That might be the wrong proof. 86 proof. It was uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was in it. 2005. Yes, with Gwyneth Paltrow and I think Anthony 2000. Hopkins. Okay, so that's only 18 years old. I was close. Yeah, yeah. I was not. <laughs> I thought it was like another uh, 10 years older uh, than it was. Yeah, so is that old enough now to be considered a chestnut? I don't know. I mean, but is age 
does age even have anything to do with it or is it just something that like you know can a can something be considered a chestnut within five to ten years if it gets done enough i don't know that's a really good question i don't know if you have any opinions on what constitutes a chestnut you can shoot us an email at podcast at backstage.link we'd be curious to know your opinion yeah uh is a chestnut a show in your mind that's been done to death at least lately or is it just one that's been around forever that everybody knows about that still manages to kind of get done to death yeah to a large degree and now that we've d- pretty much discussed what a chestnut is yeah we've kind of done that one to death yeah haven't we? <laughs> yeah we were that our discussion of a chestnut is becoming a chestnut so before it does that should shall we move on and roast our chestnut indeed I need a little warm, fuzzy feeling, so let's roast some chestnuts. Now, we'd give a spoiler alert for the following, but if you haven't already seen the show that we're about to discuss, uh, you'll be forced to turn in your community theater membership. Yep, we are here to roast the Joseph Kesselring play Arsenic and Old Lace. I'm sure there'll be some challenges to roasting without an audience. I mean, a live audience. We have a listening audience. It's just smaller than the entire Arsenic and Old Lace cast. Yeah, and with that large cast show, there's certainly some challenges that come along with it, but uh, Arsenic makes things easier by killing off several of them. The rest are there to bore the audience to death. Indeed. So you're probably already familiar with this play, being a chestnut that it is, since theaters are required to perform it every five years. Ten with good behavior. Believe us, it's in the theater bylaws. Yes, and have you ever delved further into the meaning of arsenic and old lace, though? No, I haven't. No, I mean, sure, on its surface, it's just a rollicking, hilarious comedy about a couple of murderous old ladies and their homicidal nephew. <laughs> but Tons of fun. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've done the show myself. But uh, some have said that they, uh, they, the, these murderous old ladies and their nephew represent the elite American ruling class which has a tendency to set aside America's murderous heritage. Hmm. It's a very deep meaning, and it's hmm. a little weird taking that kind of criticism in 1939 from a German-American. Are you implying that Joseph Kesselring was in the Third Reich? I did not see that coming. <laughs> not see that coming. Uh, no, in fact, Kesselring was born in New York City. Being in the heart of American theater, he was bound to become involved in it in some way. So, of course, he got to start teaching and directing theater in Kansas. Of course. Inevitably, he returned to Broadway because if he can make it there, he can make it anywhere. And in 1939, he made it there with his first hit, Arsenic and Old Lace, which has since made it everywhere and anywhere. But did he stop there? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. But don't get me wrong, Kesselring went on to write a dozen plays. Four of those were produced. One of which you've heard of. And heard, and heard, and heard. Of course, that wasn't his only claim to fame. He's also the only pilot to fly the Kessel Ring after producing less than 12 plays. That joke may not look like much, but she's got it where it counts, kid. Well, all right, let's take a look closer look at the arsenic characters. There's uh, Abby and Martha Brewster, two sweet, murderous old ladies who are, well, they're essentially interchangeable. Yeah, Abby, Martha. Yeah, Martha, Abby. Yeah, incidentally, the original title of this play was Arsenic and Old Ladies. But Kesselring changed it so as not to seem derogatory towards his core audience. Good move. Yeah. Uh, then there's the officers, Klein, Brophy, and O'Hara. Three clueless police officers who are, well, essentially interchangeable. Hmm, you know, I see a trend here. Yeah, it seems like this cast could have been much, much smaller. Yeah, it was a depression even. Yeah. <laughs> These dear old Annies take it upon themselves to conduct mercy killings of lonely elderly gentlemen right under the cops' noses, mind you, using... Elderberry wine, of all things. Yum. 
Elderberry wine. Yeah, like that stuff won't kill you without poison added to it. <laughs> Seriously, look it up. It has some nasty side effects. Nausea, vomiting. So, uh, what, they didn't have a nice Cabernet or something? Or how about Riesling? That's pretty big in New York. And German, too. Come on, Kesselring. Where were you on that one? <laughs> but you can't do without Teddy Brewster, their clueless nephew who buries their victims all while thinking he's Teddy Roosevelt. You know, I'd throw in a Teddy Roosevelt joke here, but he's basically the Chuck Norris of U.S. presidents, and I'm a little scared. Yeah. We also have another nephew, Mortimer Brewster. Mortimer is a dramatic critic. Ooh. It's a shame that he's already a character in the play, because we really could have used his professional services. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, uh, so he falls in love with the next-door neighbor, Elaine Harper. She sneaks into the house through the side window by way of the old cemetery. Hmm. How romantic. Yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, these people aren't, like, 16, either. They're actually adults. But don't worry. Whenever they're sitting on the window seat together, they always leave one foot each on the floor. Good move. Yeah. Now, Morty's sex appeal and charm know no bounds, as he proposes to Elaine just to save the commute from Manhattan to Brooklyn. Sensible. Yeah. He continues firmly placing his foot in his mouth, trying to get his brother Teddy committed before the arrival of his brother, Jonathan, who, tries, who he tries to get arrested. Jonathan is a unique character in a play for... For those who may not be familiar with the show, he's Boris Karloff. Like, literally. For the millennials out there, that's the guy who originally played Frankenstein's monster with the flat top and the neck bolts and everything. No, it wasn't the guy on the monsters. Anyway, the entire twist of this character is that he's had a bunch of botched plastic surgery that makes him look like Boris Karloff. It's not really uh, being flattering to Boris, but anyway. <laughs> the character is played on Broadway by <laughs> Boris Karloff. Ooh, great casting. Now, Kesselring milks this Karloff Lukalak joke so much that he left behind a cow that looked like a prune. Mm. And if that's not enough, Karloff, uh, excuse me, Jonathan's sidekick is constantly mistaken for Albert Einstein. Not because he looks like Albert Einstein, but because his name is Dr. Einstein. Dr. Herman Einstein. This role was famously played by character actor Peter Lorre in the movie adaptation, giving community theater an eternity of bad Peter Lorre impressions. And Jigor. All right, if you've already, already <laughs> forgotten about that one, check the outtakes from episode 27, the Halloween show. All right, let's 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 get back to that window seat for a moment. Uh, the bane of any master carpenter. And yes, the plot completely hinges on it. Ooh. Yeah, get it? Hinges? Yeah. Hinge it because it's a window. Yeah. Uh, everybody's using it, take, taking bodies in and out of it until they can be buried in the basement. Yes, that window seat gets more action than the back seat of my old Ford did. Ah, I'm sorry. Eventually, Jonathan and Einstein managed to. <laughs> Eventually, Jonathan and Einstein managed to tie up Mortimer, leading to a slow torture scene. Though it's unclear who's being tortured, Mortimer or the audience. And after that, it all gets neatly wrapped up in an uplifting finale, where Einstein escapes, Jonathan gets hauled off to jail, and we find out Mortimer's adopted. Because there's no chance he could possibly be insane if he's not a blood relative, despite his own display of hysterical behavior throughout much of the play. Oh, and Teddy and the old ladies get committed. Well, maybe, since it's implied that the old ladies kill the superintendent of the institution. You know, one more murder for old time's sake. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's, it's the classic story of boy meets girl, boy's sweet old aunts go on a killing spree, boy's brother is a homicidal Boris Karloff. But it's all okay, because he's not actually related to the others. And it's a comedy. What a hoot! <laughs> If you're lucky, there'll be elderberry wine and cheese served afterward during the meet and greet. If you're really lucky, it'll be served before. Indeed. Mm -hmm. 
So that is our roast of Arsenic and Old Lace, a show which I think both of us actually like. Yeah, actually, uh, given the fact that it has chestnut status and is Mm -hmm. very, very frequently done in community theater. Really is, yeah. I think it honestly deserves the credit because it's an entertaining show. It really is. I mean, it's 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 simple. It's silly. It's everything we just said it was. I mean, I was in it and did my own bad Peter Lorre impression. <laughs> uh, but it's an enjoyable show. It is. A chance. Uh, if you actually haven't seen it, which is unlikely, go see it. Yeah, it's, it's actually one we'd recommend. I, I think the fact that, you know, audiences are familiar with it still come out to see it. Mm-hmm. And actors still enjoy being in it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's pretty much all we've got for this week. We hope you have a wonderful christmas or whatever holiday you've you're celebrating or have already celebrated have some eggnog roast some chestnuts of your own yes if you have any suggestions of other chestnuts that perhaps could be roasted next year please drop us a line at podcast at backstage.link or you can find us on facebook just search for the backstage show we will be joining you next week for our end of year wrap-up new year's eve special yes indeed looking forward to that one and until then i'm glenn and i'm jim and you've been listening to the backstage show Enjoy your holiday. Do we really need any outtakes after what we just did? (laughs) You know, there'll be... Um, What's the theater near, near me that does that every year? They do a pantso. I don't know, Glenn. People's Light Theater? Yes. Oh, okay. Crickets. Crickets. No, that's Australian. This is going to require some editing. Of course.